I wrestled. Um, <clears throat> there's folks here that's heard plenty of Palm Sunday messages and Easter messages um, in such a time as this. I wrestled with what I was going to say and how I preached this message with a very familiar message. I hope a very familiar message. And the only way that I could probably describe this passage in the most personal way is to describe to you my, my testimony. Describe to you what I learned about Jesus. Um, it was March 5th, 99. Uh, there was a man by the name of Brian who would knock on my door uh, many times before that asking probing questions about my life. He wanted uh, to know very weird content about who I am and uh, what I did. You see, I never grew up a Christian. I know, I think that's pretty common knowledge. I never went to church growing up. I think I can count on one hand how many times I went to church before I was 19. And, uh, and none of it made sense to me. If you would have asked me who I thought Jesus was, I thought he was a good character in the Bible. I didn't, wasn't so cynical that I didn't believe he existed. But I did have, I had no clue how he was any different than Moses or Noah, or anyone else. I thought he was a great miracle worker. I had no idea. That is not by the absence of Christianity being in my life before that. My, my grandmother would go to church on a frequent basis. My, my grandfather would, um, on my mother's side. But I didn't hear that message from them. I went to school with plenty of people. I remember, I remember playing football and football, uh, at the same time, would happen in the evenings as CCD. Now, anybody who plays football knows that the Monday practice is always the hardest practice. And anyone knows what CCD is. It's the Catholic catechism where you would go and get confirmed. These kids got out of the hardest practice each and every Monday, every, all year. That was, that was my biggest introduction to Christianity up until that point. You realize that? That it got them out of really hard football. I'm talking about we just pound each other and run all the time because the game was later in the week, so you would really wear yourself out early in the week, and then the practices would get progressively lighter. And then, of course, that's when they got to come and play. That was very frustrating. So, on a very trivial way, my introduction to Christianity, especially for those who failed out of CCD that first year and got to go again the next year. Was a, was a sour taste of Christianity because it gets the people out of football. There was other, there was other Christians. Um, there was, a, I mean, literally, uh, a, a Christian church, a, a Christian church, uh, not just a Protestant or anything like that. It was a, a, a Disciples of Christ Christian church within eyesight of my girlfriend's house, which is now Leslie, who's my wife, so take that from the and I knew people that would go there on Sunday mornings. And I didn't know anything about Jesus. They would tell me that they would go to this church, but they didn't know exactly. They would, and I, would, and I would ask them, why are you going to church? I'd just go. That's what I do. I don't know why they did it. I don't know why I didn't hear about who Jesus was until March 5th, 1999. But I can tell you that I lived with people my entire life up until I was 19. 
who claimed they were Christian and never told me a single bit about Christ, about what we celebrate on this day, and what we celebrate on the next Sunday. I can tell you that right now. And it wasn't until March 5th, 99, that I, I, I realized something. You want to know what I realized? Not only is Jesus Lord, which is what I'm willing to die for, but that he forgives you and that he loves you. I hope you've not heard a different message. What is it? 15, 16 years later from this pulpit. I'm telling you the same thing I heard for the first time in my years. See, the th significant thing about this is, was as uh, Brian said to me, he said, I don't want to give this up, I don't want to give that up, I don't want to give this up, and I don't want to give that up. Now, uh, I'm your pastor, I'm not going to tell you what this, that, and this, that is, but you have this, that, this, that, this, that as well, so we all have sin. I was very aware of the fact that I was a sinner. That was not a surprise to me. I knew at least enough about Christianity to know that uh, I, I did some things that were sinful. I even admitted to some of that. My first, my first lie to my father, remember that illustration I told you about chewing gum? I said that about three or four weeks ago, maybe a little bit longer. I had that same story. Well, I knew I, I, knew I sinned. That wasn't a surprise to me. But there are some things I wanted to hold on to. You know... I didn't want to let them up. And Brian said two things to me that were crucial that I can, I'll be honest with you, I don't think I ever heard from that point forward. Brian told me what it meant that Jesus Christ died for my sins. So he told me. And he explained it to me. Now I remember, I kid you not, I remember I had a head football coach who used to say that all the time to me. And I would ask him, and it was like the peanuts teacher, wah, 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 wah. So maybe it was a level of my ears needed to be open before I could hear that message. But I will say this. When I asked that question to some other Christians, they couldn't answer it. They tried to kind of throw around some sort of example of how it was a sacrifice. and It didn't make sense to me. But what Brian did is he opened up the scriptures. And he shared who Jesus was to me and who Jesus is for me now. And the other thing that he told me that was so crucial is, is he loves you the way you are, but he is not going to leave you that way. I have a testimony. I actually drove home, back, to, back home to school, from school, with uh, my girlfriend, my wife now. And I told her about this Jesus thing that I heard and was so flavorful. I wanted more of it. My life did not look like I was a man that wanted Jesus in it. As a matter of fact, my life looked like a man who wanted Jesus as far away from it as possible. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I was a, a, you know, was a drug addict, a thief. No. I think I was worse. I think I was worse for this reason. I was living a life that I could sustain until the day I died. I was, that's, that's the type of sinful life I was living. I was living a life that didn't necessarily need Jesus in it, per se. 
that I could have thrived. I could have been a police officer, which is the road I was on. I could have gone. I could have become a cop, and maybe I would have retired as a cop and gone and done something else and then retired from that. He could have lived a normal American lifestyle, but this man, Jesus Christ, came into it. He, he pierced into my heart, into my mind, and into who I was. And I'll tell you, I wanted more of it. The inverse happened. I started to become angry. Why didn't I know about this before? Why didn't anybody tell me about this? That was the reality of it. I started getting angry. Oh, I, I, I was, uh, didn't know it, but I was in a desert. Someone gave me water, and it was refreshing, and everyone had water around me and never told me, never gave me that water. Dang it. I wasn't, I wasn't, I was still in, uh, uh, probably in the middle of my Christian growth, so I probably didn't say dang it. But that was probably the holiest curse word that I probably ever uttered in my entire life. From that day forward, it first stuck out in, in, to me. Those who deny me in front of their friends, I will deny them in front of the Father. And that verse still sticks out to me today. When Jesus says that, I say, these friends, these people that liked me as friends did not stick up for me, and that hurt me. And then I started doing I started sharing Christ, and I started telling people, and they were like, I never heard this before. And I had an atheist come to me once, and he says, I had, when I came out as an atheist, whenever I told my, my, uh, uh, my, my Christian uncle that I came out as an atheist, he was too afraid to tell me what you're telling me right now. That type of thing speaks to me. And it's powerful. But it wasn't it. Because the one thing I was angry about these people didn't tell me, there's this other thing. He didn't want to leave me the way I was. We turn to Romans. Actually, 23, 3.23. If I begin to start pointing my fingers at those that make me angry about how they fell short, I ignore for all have sinned and fall short of the glory. It was a humbling moment for me. And among that humbling moment, there was all these other humbling moments where I started to realize the sin in my life and how sinful I actually was. It was painful. It was hurting. And I didn't know what to do. And I started to realize one major thing. Maybe, maybe I wasn't a Christian. Maybe I just got really excited about this one thing, about the fact that God loves me. And I'm not living up to it. And I'm not living up to that standard. Well, can you describe a greater example of the Hosanna story, the Palm Sunday story. You understand how at one moment they were saying Hosanna, Hosanna, and the next time they were saying kill him. This is the dichotomy of our life. And it was a couple months later after March 5th, 99. I don't know the date of this date, but I remember the exact moment. I could say it was probably my holiest Hosanna moment where I believed no matter what I did, no matter how much I didn't love Jesus, his love was going to be on me. That is the hope I have. That is the hope I have. And that is the hope we will always have. And I realized it at a very young age. 
You see, when you are confounded with your, uh, your sinfulness, when you, are, when you face how sinful you actually are, we want to say that that's God's wrath and anger towards you. I want to say something different. I want to say something completely different. I want to say, if it was his wrath, then you wouldn't exist anymore. If the fact that you realized you're a sinner comes to you and you breathe another breath, you are under God's grace. Adam and Eve, they were already under God's grace before he was even created. Before they, He says, I want to create these people. Boom. But even then, when they sinned, grace still abounded. And then they realized their sin. He should have wiped them out. That's what the law tells us, but he didn't. He was gracious. And so, what this text, what Hosanna tells us, what the Palm Sunday tells us is, is you know what? It's going to be very easy when times are t- fun and times are easy to praise God. But you deny Jesus three times before the rooster crows. And that's a harder message to hear. That's the message coming this week. Our sin is ever before us. And Jesus still loves us. So that message that, that Brian told me from the very beginning. He loves you the way you are, but he does not want to leave you that way. He looked at every one of these people that were praising him, calling him king, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. He seen them in their eyes and he said, every one of these people are going to call for my death. Jesus knew it. But he still did it for their benefit. That is a great grace. That is a good news. Isn't it? Romans 5.8, yet while we are still sinners, he died for us. So I took that message and then let it change me. I decided to stop living out of the guilt and shame of my sin and I started resting in the love of God that no matter what I do, he's going to forgive me. And no matter what happens, he loves me. You know what started happening to that guilt and shame? You know what started happening to that sin? It started to disappear. It did disappear all that, trust me. It's not gone. But that guilt and that shame and that sin started losing that grip upon my heart, upon my mind. Because I trusted his love. I trusted that he has us in his righteous right hand. And I did that. And you know what? That's freedom. That's complete freedom. That while he looks at each and every one of your sins, sins that you don't even know about that you commit, he loves you and he forgives you. And that's why he went to the cross. Not just to just say, okay, here's a list of sins that, that, that Dan's committed, and I'm going to die for those particular sins, and, and so we can get that dirty business behind us. That's part of it for sure, whatever. But what I heard about Jesus Christ was more than that. It was part of it for sure, but I heard more than that. So you ask, why did he suffer? Why did he have to go to the cross? Because he loved you. And he wanted you. That's the message we carry.
That's the message we are called to carry. I devoted my life to never being the man who said, well, Dan never told me that. And that still stands to this day. Because I've heard some good news. I know we're going to get some water. And I know you guys are thirsty. And I know everyone out there is thirsty. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy upon us. We ask that you please uh, forgive us of our sins, as I know and we know that you're quick to do. But also forgive us of the desire to be guilt-ridden and shameful of our sin. And realize that in you, you know all of that. And you separate it as far as the east is from the west. So let us love you with our whole hearts, minds, and bodies, and not out of guilt, shame, and embarrassment. And let us take that message to the world. It's in your son's holy name. Let us stand and read the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ.